0: Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and Stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And today we have a special guest on the show and we are going to be talking about social media and the do's and don'ts that go along <laughs> with it, basically. Yeah, something like that. I, I'm really <laughs> excited about it. I have
1: uh, follow as, as with many of our guests, I just follow them on Twitter and then I'm like, we really need to talk to this person. So I saw that Doug was writing this book about uh, social media posting piece it's called which you'll you'll probably hear a few times throughout the episode. And uh I felt like, hey, this is someone that I actually would read up this book by. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't uh, he lives he somewhat lives up to the title. So uh we'll see how it goes. But no, I, I think it's gonna be really good. I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah. So uh just so you guys are aware, uh Doug Burch is on the show with us today. Uh, he is a pastor. He is the host of the Fairly Spiritual Show podcast, which I just love the name of that. And then he is the author, like Tanner said, of Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Um, so, Doug, welcome to the show. Uh, we would love it if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, let our let our listeners know who you are, what you're all about. Well, I,
2: I grew up in a farm that... Uh... No, I, I'm not going to give you the long <laughs> story here. <laughs> It all starts back with my great, great grandfather. I get nervous first though. Tanner, you follow me on Twitter and that makes me nervous because like, I post everything on Twitter, like every thought that comes to my mind. And so when anyone says I follow you on Twitter, I'm like, oh no, Uh-oh. He's, he's heard it all. So yeah, a little Uh-oh. bit about me, uh, you know. I, I the pastoring is like that first thing twenty two years pastoring the same church and uh, mm. got four lovely kids and uh, you know an incredibly supportive wife where we minister together and I co-pastor along with Pastor Dan Barons which is a little different for a church where we we team pastor and then I do this other stuff writing radio podcast that kind of stuff and I don't know what it fits into but it's I kind of call it my evangelistic kind of thing it's just the other stuff I want to do that's larger than our local expression. So I guess I don't know if there's anything else you want to know about me, but that's, you know, kind of the general motivation uh, behind what I do. So,
0: well, I have a clarifying question. When you, when you talk about co-pastoring, what, when you said it, all I could picture in my mind was two pastors on stage, like giving, almost like Tanner and I, like on the show, but I'm assuming that's not like the case. Like that each look other? Like, like you yeah. set
2: it up and he knocks it off? Well, this is a little old, but those doublement commercials where there's the two twins going, you know, a double pleasure is waiting for you. No, no, it's not like that. It's just, it, it's just, uh, you know, I just... Dan and I just have different giftings and styles, and we just trust each other. And if Dan says something, I agree with it. And if I say something, I agree. We blame each other. That's basically what we do. And and it's just a way to have, like, in the Bible, people minister in twos and pairs. And that's the one thing we don't talk about at leadership conferences. Uh, But one of the biggest leadership principles in the Bible is people didn't minister alone. And uh, so that's the way we do it. There's certain things I do better than Dan, certain things he does better than me. Uh, And then we just... Co pastor based on our giftings and what we're called to do but it's much more uh, just that collaborative thing where he doesn't have yeah. to submit to me it's just a mutual submission
1: I think that's really cool. I've always been super interested in it you don't see it done a lot but it's it seems kind of like a no-brainer although I'm sure there's a lot of challenges that come along with it it's you're basically asking for a unicorn if you want to try to find one guy that's pastored in that's a uh, gifted in all the things that a pastor needs to be gifted in
2: yeah i was just picturing the unicorn there for a second and i was just gonna <laughs> be pictured Where's he going? where are we going with the unicorn yeah and then dan's kind of like the leprechaun to my unicorn no like hey. I, I just feel like for me pastors the reason they don't pastor with other people is we are opinionated insecure people and we get threatened sure. by other people and, and there's polity issues as well but I just couldn't do it alone. I I would have quit a long time ago. I'm just not a very good pastor. So I'm like, I need someone to do this with me, or I'm not going to make it. So, you know, that's my heart is, you know, just trying to find a way to do this long term with some integrity and not to burn out myself and others in the process. So that's why sure. i needed to do that yes no person has all the skills you you know that to be the case so the more diversity you have in your leadership although you know we're two white men so we're not that diverse but it's better than just me <laughs> talking all the time and i think that's the goal of any ministry regardless of the size of your church or ministry
1: love it sure all right well let's uh let's kind of jump in and uh, uh before we dive head first. I wanted to kind of set up, usually on the show, we talk about things that are either in the Bible and in, in the realm of theology or Christian history. But every now and then we make it a point to kind of step back a little bit and talk about how we talk about these things, right? So if you're learning all these things and storing up what we call head knowledge, you, you have to, to have to have something to do with it. And you need to do it in a Christ-like way. <laughs> I guess is what I'm <laughs> trying to say. Let me let me put it this way. Here's an example I've kind of been kicking around in my head for a couple of weeks now. So my wife is a nurse, and obviously on that job she interacts with a lot of doctors, and so doctors I've been shocked ever since she started working in hospitals because they're these highly educated people in a, a industry where it's all about helping others, but so many of them, despite the fact that they've been to school for twice as many years as I have are just really emotionally not intelligent. They don't have a high emotional Mm. IQ. And frankly, a lot of them are just jerks. (laughs) And so I'm always baffled by how they've made it to where they are and, and can act the way that they do sometimes, obviously not all doctors, but I think you would be surprised to talk to a nurse or two and and figure out exactly, uh, you know, how many it seems to be. And so, the way I think about it is it's like such a shame for them to have this information that's centered around helping other people, but often they can't communicate it in a way that people actually want to hear it. And so I think the same kind of goes for us. Like if we're going to learn about the Bible, obviously the the practical next step is to tell someone else about it. But if you're the person who's just beating other people over the head with it, or just always arguing about the smallest point of theology, I don't think you're going to get very far. And, you know, I also probably don't think that's very Christ-like. And so from time to time, we kind of look at it from different angles and say, okay, how can we interact in this sphere in a way that Jesus would would be happy with? Or how can we do it over here? And so today we're talking about social media, with you, Doug. Yes, I follow on you, on t- you on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> you passed the test, so we wanted to have you on. So I wanted to talk about the book. Can you just kind of give us a short, uh, a short version of what led you to write the book, what what is the big idea mm. of the book itself?
2: Well, you were talking about the concept of doctors and nurses. My wife was actually a nurse a R.N. for a while, and I, my older sister's our worship leader and a doctor. And I understand those dynamics that people can have a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom. They can test well, but it doesn't mean they're relational. And so that context of sure. in the you know someone can be educated to a level where they know a disease process and they know all these complicated issues, but they don't know how to communicate it in an empathetic way that helps the patient, or even in a clear. Way that lets people know what's going on, and uh, I see the same thing in how we communicate our theology. I have a doctor of ministry, you know. I have a bit of education, but often education distances us from people instead of allows us to get closer. We just learn fancier words, and we have to get out our seminary decoder ring and say, "Well, what does this (laughs) word mean?" And 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 the goal of learning anything as Christians, and I talk about this point through social media particularly, but in life in general, is we are called to be uh, reconciling agents of change our goal is to communicate the truth, what we know, what we've learned for the purpose of bringing people closer to God and for us also to be closer together to tear down any dividing walls of hostility. And if you lose that focus, then you begin to communicate all the information you have for the wrong reasons. Uh, And, you know, Hmm. it's not, you know, education is great. You don't have to have education to be a, a, a good Christian witness, but whatever you have, wherever you are, whatever skills or talents or backgrounds you have, God did not give those to you so that you could communicate how right you are and how wrong other people are. The goal of communicating is you love people. And even if they're totally wrong, you love them, and you're communicating in a way so that they can draw closer to the truth and towards to, towards God, towards Christ, and so that you can also have a relationship with them where they trust you, and they trust the truth coming from you, and we, as we see in the social media context— that seems to be lost in a lot of our arguments about, you know, what do I believe about this theology or what politician am I for? As Christians, we lose focus of the ministry of reconciliation and we lose the reason we exist on this planet. So let me ask, where where did you start to
0: see this form uh, or or when, I guess, is a better question. Uh, question. Like
2: what prompted you to to write this book? Well, there's a part of me, I'm a middle child, so I want everyone to get along. So I think I've always been thinking about that (laughs) context. And by the way, this book is not just, hey, get along and don't cause conflict. It's just why are we causing conflict? Why are we doing what we're doing? But uh, I had the privilege of working uh, five years in a very uh, conservative, religious radio station background. It was a Christian conservative radio station. And I'm not that. I'm not extremely progressive, extremely conservative, but I'm not that. And so I went on the air thinking, you know, there's a lot of people who want more of a moderate welcoming voice that whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, we can find a way to come together as Christians. Cause I believe, you know, God is not only not a Republican or a Democrat, he's not even American. So God is very different (laughs) than us. But as I was on this station and doing these daily shows it's like a two hour show. Uh, you know, with commercials and all that stuff. It's that Christian radio stuff. But I uh, i was just amazed at how people didn't want that. Or they were being so indoctrinated by other sources that their goal was not reconciliation. It was just to be right. Yeah. Hmm. And And it was even to adopt a bunch of people around you who are also right like you're right which is what talk radio does. It's what um, television shows do, that the goal is to basically find a group of people that agree with you. And what I've seen is now the internet has become where everyone's their own talk show host. Yeah, And we're all doing our trending topics and we're communicating strongly what we believe and we're having people unite around us with what we believe. And if you don't believe what I believe, fine, you know, I'll unfollow you or block you or whatever. But that dynamic is not good when it comes to bringing peace To abiding with diverse communities, it just creates all these polarized communities, you know, who are uniting around ideology or personalities. And I think that's very detrimental to our society.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something I think about a lot, maybe just as kind of a side note to what, what you were saying there is I think you're totally right. But then also there's the, maybe like the lazy version of being your own talk show host where you just kind of like listen to an actual talk show host and then just repeat that <laughs> online. It's almost like they're like syndicated. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> and
1: so is now syndicated on your social media feed uh because you just you know you see a lot of people that just repeat the newest talking point from whoever it is that they happen to
2: listen to and happen to have well, together. yeah, and if they're not intentional that's a huge thing. Like, I actually, for five years I was on the air, I always made sure that I any news item I used was truthful, Yeah, hmm. that I would re- research it. I wouldn't just pass it on. I wouldn't just say, you know, I think this guy's a bad guy, so it's probably true, but either way, uh, you know, I'm going to send it to you. And we have, you know, Christian friends that do that. They send us stuff on Facebook. I don't know if this is true or not, and all you have to do is a quick Google search, and you find a site says, this is clearly false. It's a doctored picture. It never happened. But they don't right. even look at it. Uh, because they've already bought into the segmented way of living. This is one of the things I talk about is we live segmented lives online so we can live in our little ideological uh, echo chambers. But the problem with that is we don't do the research and we just make assumptions. Well, they're villains, so any news that comes to me about them, clearly it's gonna be villainous. Or they're heroes, so every news that comes to me, I'm gonna, and so we don't do the work that I think at least a good talk show host or anybody should do, uh, and we just promote lies and become a part yeah. of, you know, I think that's one of the commandments we're not supposed to lie or bear false witness. And we just break <laughs> that commandment on a daily basis as we forward on non-truths to other people in our feeds.
1: Yeah, my favorite is the people who just share something and all they write in the shared text is interesting, dot, 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 which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> means I'm not going to yeah. come out and
0: say that I believe
1: this, but I definitely yeah. didn't fact check it and I am going to share it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I was just gonna say in context, even to our show, uh, this is taking a step back from social media a bit. But the same idea we try to push across too. like, so many times as Christians, we start following leaders and just listening to what they're saying and regurgitating it and never looking into the truth. So a big thing that we we ask our listeners on the show to do is like, hey, don't just listen and believe like, read your Bible and like really search in into these things to, to make sure what you're hearing is
2: truth. Yeah, well, I'm taking notes right now and writing down everything I think you say <laughs> that's wrong. And I'll, I'll send yeah, you a long excellent. email <laughs> afterwards. We'll list,
0: we'll list the corrections in next
1: week's episode. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, Glenn and I also know enough about ourselves to know that we're definitely not write about this stuff very often we don't have uh phds and so we're kind of figuring this out as we go but well that's- you know
2: by the way phds do not make so necessarily right <laughs> you can pay for an education That and, is and, true, and yeah, even there point. right it's it, it the reality of and i think what's happening in the social media era and i i'm not attacking like oh you need to become amish and you know not that's not the issue But all Mm -hmm. the things that you see exaggerated in society are becoming more so exaggerated through social media. It is even taking these things, uh, the ability to distinguish what is truth and not truth, what is uh, a a lie or all, all these issues, it's just exaggerating it. And then we have a whole bunch of people who will just confirm our madness. And they won't challenge us versus if we – if even if I did this now with you guys, you'd be like, hey, wait a second. You'd be able to interrupt me and say that's not true. But on social media, I don't have to do that. I can just spend my time with everybody who believes that I believe and really be involved in things that could really harm myself and harm others.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a second because you you have talked about something I think is largely too true where we segment – Ourselves into a camp that says what we like to hear, but then you also have and I think this is kind of the journey I have taken where I started out as the uh the argumentative guy who would say, "Man, if I can just write this out clear enough and i and 'll try to be kind about it, but I can just really tell them why they 're wrong and why what they're saying is is kind of stupid and and uh how they can be better." Then that'll work, and then you, you figure out pretty quickly it doesn't work. Nobody, nobody cares how right you are, and, and nobody cares how well you said it. And so then I think the the longer down that road I've gone, now I'm at the point where I just don't engage almost at all. And you talk about this in the book, just kind of avoiding and disengaging altogether, like becoming Amish. And I daydream about that all the time. Like I would <laughs> would like to just not be on any of this stuff, but. I don't think that's what you're proposing. And so I'm curious, what, what do you think is the better plan?
2: Well, and, and I'm not proposing that. And by the way, this is my best attempt. It's certainly not like everybody has to do things the way I do. I hope it facilitates discussion where we all look at how we're using social media and how we can use it better. Uh, but for me, that's what's happening. People are engaging it in a negative light. It's causing a polarization and anger and anxiety. And so then the next step is either to segment with people who just agree with you so you never have to deal with conflict or to isolate altogether. The problem with isolating altogether is there are injustices in the world that Christians are supposed to speak towards. And if we're just isolating ourselves because we don't like conflict, that's a level of privilege. And as a white male, that's something I can do. Well, you know, I don't want to cause conflict to talk about a racial issue or, so I'm just going to opt out of the conversation. Well, that's a luxury that I can do because I'm not as impacted by these realities. Other people don't have those luxuries. They don't have that privilege. And so for me, I actually have to engage even more so. I have to intentionally see where there's issues Hmm. of justice, issues of injustice. But the goal of communicating still to me is I'm trying to open people up to the understanding of the truth. Now, I do believe people's minds can be changed, but they're not changed in the way we think they're changed. It's relationally, it's a climate of trust and respect. And social media takes away a lot of those cues. Like even now, as you and I are talking, you can hear my voice, right? You can hear I'm not yelling at you. Uh, you. You know that even if I'm giving a directive to you, I'm not saying it in a way that I'm being critical and judgmental of you. At least I hope that's what's coming across. Yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when you're arguing on social media, you know how this is. We don't have a font that says I'm being nice or I'm not angry. And if somebody right. is, feels threatened, let's say an atheist or a non-Christian or from a different tradition, and you start typing just with smiling and you're just writing these things like this is what I think Jesus does and this is what I think salvation is, they don't hear any of that. They don't see your face. They don't, and they just read it within the tonation of what condition they're in or the last person who talked to them about that stuff before. So, now, so that is important because before I start arguing with them about all the things that I believe, they have to first know that I'm a friend. I'm not an enemy. I'm not here to tear them down and attack them. I got to know that, by the way, too. What's my motive for doing this? Because maybe I am trying to hurt them and I'm upset. And, (laughs) but, Until we do that, that takes a lot more work. That takes putting qualifiers in our words. That takes listening, asking people to give us feedback, how we respond when someone disagrees with us, not to be defensive, but to be welcoming and to appreciate their feedback. Because the goal isn't for me to be right, but to be reconciling. The goal is for me to know them as much as I can and for them to know me. And that requires to facilitate a relationship because you know this as well. People will shut you right down if they think it's one of those arguments of who's right and who's wrong. And so they shut up, they shut down. And now we just have, you know, I don't want to spend time just writing my opinions. I know what my opinions are. I don't need to write those. I'm communicating for the purpose of hopefully someone else sees some truth in that. And it's attractive, or it's an answer to a question they've had. So that to me is the extra work that it takes extra work relationally, one to know what the, uh, the book spends a lot of time just talking about how the technology itself divides us. So how we have to be intentional in kind of working past those things so that the heart of why we're communicating comes through.
0: You know, it's interesting while you were talking about that, I I started thinking about when we, when COVID hit and everything started going digital for our for our staff meetings at church, we started getting on Zoom, and it it seemed fine at first, like it was an adjustment. And then about a month in, everybody was just so exhausted, just physically tired after everything that they'd been through and mentally tired. And I, I was thinking about what you were saying about how we have those those visual cues that we use. And even over a Zoom call, like what we're doing now, you're not able to to really grasp everything that you know, you would as as if we were in person. I I feel like if we were in person, I'd be a lo- little bit more responsive and have like you know, mm-hmm, yeah. Or and like, <laughs> and you like
1: you yeah. can't tell that Glenn's like flipping me off out of camera. <laughs> yeah, <baby. laughs>
2: I'm actually really offended by the fact that I'm not getting enough feedback here. That's in my notes as well. This list of what you're doing wrong. But uh. you, you know, you hit at I, I think Zoom is a perfect the, the concept. Marshall McLuhan uh, he was a technical theorist in the late 70s who who talked about that the medium is the message, and if you say That you might sound really clever in a a conversation. Oh, that's deep. But what he's basically saying is every medium, whether it was the printing press or television or radio or this thing that we call the internet, it changes our messaging. It's not just a platform that gets the message out in a new way. It changes our messages, how we communicate and how we receive things. So Zoom is an example of that Uh, in the sense of what happens in a Zoom meeting. You're, you're just looking at a camera and you feel obligated to stare at the people, right? Like you're looking, you're giving <laughs> eye contact that you would never give in a room. Because in a room, there's other cues. So in a room, you can kind of be looking down at your notes, and but they know you're with them, you're present. But in a Zoom, it's like you got to show that you're present. So your <laughs> eyes go up, your head nods. There's also these issues of you can't talk over each other in a Zoom meeting, so there's a delay. That de- So what do we do? If we can't talk over each other, it changes the kind of conversations we have. It's less conversational. It's more statement and then response. That changes the dynamic, and that's what we need to look at with any technology. You know, It all might change. No one will use Twitter or Facebook. They'll use something else. But the technology is still going to influence us, and that's what I want us to sure. think about because um, we'll just assume, oh, we can just do what we were doing before, but we can do it online. There's strengths to it, but there's also profound weaknesses that we, we need to be aware of, and I think that's a perfect example with, with Zooming is that we just – get to this point where it doesn't feel natural. Even the fact of you can be in a room with people and just relax. But there's something with being on the technology where you're worried about how you present yourself, right? You also got to, you know, wear clothes and pants because, you know, you're online here. But, (laughs) but, you know, you just, there's an anxiety there that you don't have when, hey, they're in the room, they're with us. Look at Doug over there. He's got his head down. He's, you know, writing something on a piece of paper, but he's with us. But if you yeah. if you see me looking down during a Zoom call, the anxieties are like, "What's going on?" Is is oh he man, bored? I've is he gotten even...
0: uncomfortable during this call, like looking at notes and questions that I have prepared for you. I'm like, I hope he doesn't right.
2: think that I'm not yeah. paying attention. To <laughs> well, <this laughs> I did. I was greatly offended, and that's why I passively aggressively brought it up so you can work on that. No, no, it's yeah, it's exactly, that. and it's doing that. Uh, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, and the different mediums do different things to our personalities and how we communicate. Uh, but we have to be careful that. Like even our brains, the studies they've done with that, when do, when we argue with people, what do we tend to do? We just start writing long things. Like if you're on Facebook, you know it's a danger zone when you go to a Facebook post and the messages are getting longer and longer. You know that two people are fighting on Facebook. you just, they, they're whole treatises. You know, there's whole chapters that they're writing. Yeah. Well, the problem with arguing through writing is when we read stuff, that only activates certain parts of our brain. Uh, some people talk about it, it's more the left side of your brain, and regardless of whether it's your left or the right, there's only certain parts of our brain that are really fire when we read text. Well, that's not our full brain. There's other parts of our brain, big picture thinking, emotional connection, those sorts of things that are not accessed, or it's harder to access when we're just doing the written communication. So this is one of the reasons we're being polarized, because even when we're arguing about things, we're only using certain parts of our brains, certain kinds of tools, So even here, and I don't have this in the book, but I remember there was tension with someone in our church, and I realized they just were reading it wrong. Like I was, I'm I'm writing nicely, and they're just, and more like they're feeling threatened, they're feeling like they did something wrong, and I'm disappointed with them. And I said to my wife, come over here, and we just took a picture of us smiling, just smiling, and we texted it to them. And then they could just see, we're okay, we love you, we're smiling, we're not upset with you. And then they sent back a picture of them smiling, and we humanized the discussion. Yeah, And that's what we have to be intentional with because we can be in these places where we're just reading and seeing things through one part of our brain or one part of our insecurities. And so we have to find ways to expand it.
0: That's good. Guys, we're going to take a, a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some best practices and ask some questions about uh, what we feel like <laughs> maybe we've screwed up on or <laughs> how we can improve the way that we communicate on social media. So we'll be right back.
1: Okay, we're back. All right, Doug. So one of the things that you talk about in the book, I, basically the whole point of this podcast is for you to come on and solve all our problems. Uh, I, I thought
2: the can... purpose is for me to sell the book, Posting Peace, Why Social Media oh, Divides true. Us, that's and what true. we can do about it. Well, then Again, you can the book is more... Posting Peace, Why Social <laughs> Media you can solve more people's problems
1: about. when they buy the book and read it. And that's exactly uh, what we're I'm suggesting. Uh, but now that I've read the book, I have more questions. <laughs> But this is something you talk about in the book that I think for the first part of this podcast, we've talked about things that could kind of apply to anyone, aren't necessarily Christian specific. If if it's someone that, you know, wants, you know, has kind of this greater good idea in mind and wants to be a peaceful person. But one of the things you talk about in the book is how social media can numb our spiritual sensitivity, And so I'm curious what you mean by that. And then maybe from there, you can kind of lead into yes, like, why does this apply to us? even more so as Christians? Why does this specifically apply to us
2: as Christians? Well, I'm really glad you brought up this question because this is one of the concepts that I, people like it when I talk about it, and it really got my, my mind you know, moving in all kinds of directions. Uh, Marshall McLuhan, again, I referenced him earlier, talked about that every technology is an extension of the human body. And you can think of that like uh, the car is the extension of the foot. That might sound kind of weird, but like we can only walk so far, and so we create a car, and now we can go a lot farther. So every technology extends human capacity. However, it's always a mixed bag because it extends human capacity, but it also numbs the capacity it extends. So for instance, mm-hmm. uh, we can go farther in cars now, but guess what? We're lazier. We don't... We don't walk very much. Our bodies are not used to doing anything difficult. You know, Jesus walked everywhere. We, we can barely walk from the parking lot to the church, right? So it extended our capacities, but it numbed our capacities. And this occurs through social media as well. What does social media extend? It extends our ability to connect with all kinds of people. I mean, we can just unlimited yeah. amounts of people. But what has that done? It's also numbed our ability to learn how to form and maintain meaningful relationships. The difficult work of a relationship. And one of my biggest arguments is that one of the reasons we are not reconciling or getting along online is because we don't have to. And what I mean by that is, let's say, let's go back to the olden days, even before the car. Uh, If you lived in a neighborhood and you didn't have a car, maybe you have a horse and buggy or something, what's your network of people? It's a very limited amount of people, right? You got the neighbors that you live near, you got the town you're in maybe a couple churches. Uh, You don't have much access. So why did people get along or try to get along in the olden days? It wasn't because they were more righteous or more noble or just better people. They did it because they had to. Because if they didn't get along with their neighbor, there was no one to replace that neighbor, maybe the other neighbor. If they didn't find a way to connect in the church, there's no other church to go to and they can't just find an online service. Now, this is not all good because in those societies you had people who would control people of power, the nosy neighbor who controlled everyone, the pastor who was out of control and you couldn't go anywhere else. Cause that's your church. So I'm not saying these, that's a virtuous state to be in, sure, but yeah. the same thing has happened now. What do we do in social media? If we get upset with someone, we can just find someone else. I don't like this church. I can find another church. I don't like these relationships. I can find other relationships. And what's happened is And the term people use for this is networked individualism. We're just using, or primarily using the internet for our individual needs. I need yeah. my answers. Yeah. I need my affirmations. And wherever I can get it, I go in those directions. But when a conflict occurs, we don't learn to do the difficult work of walking through a conflict
0: uh, because we don't have to. I have a follow-up question there because I, I, I've i been processing this too, where when the political climate was just very high. And I I feel like that was all that was on social media, Uh, very high opinions of of, uh, candidates and things like that. I just fell into this area where I started to unfollow people. Um, Rather than, you know, digging into the conflict, I was just like, well, you know what? I just, I don't want to see this anymore. It's gone, right? And then in my day-to-day life, when actual conflict came up, I have been so used to just avoiding it on social media that I think it started to affect the way that I process things in person Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's truth to that? Yeah, well, it's
2: true to you. You you mentioned that. I, I think, you know, we talk about in real life versus the internet. We know that the internet is real life. It's just, I think what we're saying is in person versus online yeah. and and this is what we are seeing that the behaviors that we do online uh they they move into our in-person connection as well and uh by the way i'm very clear on this that everyone has different emotional boundaries and different callings so for some people you do need to unfollow that person that is not healthy for you 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 right. you need yeah. to block you know you're not their savior it's not if you don't do it It'll never get done. So uh, to be clear, I'm not arguing for one size fits all. We all have to figure that out. But I do think we have to know why am I in relationship with this person? Mm. And if I'm in relationship because I genuinely want them to know more of God and I want us to find a way to connect, then I'm probably not going to unfollow them the moment they disagree. Now, there's other people where like, how did I even get in relationship with this person? Why are we following yeah. each other? <laughs> I don't want to promote this. I don't want this to be a part of my life. And so we set that boundary. Uh, but you're seeing that it works the other direction, right? So we don't do that difficult work, and frankly, we don't do it in person because we know we can get a part of it online. So that friendship sure. isn't as important. Uh, talking, why? Why do we? Why are we on our phones when we're in the stands at a, a football game or a, even the developing friendships with the person next to you? You don't have to, because you can connect with someone online. I think in the long haul that's going to keep us disconnected from the people who are in proximity of us, the people who are just around us. And we're not going to learn the difficult work of striking up a conversation, dealing with an awkward interaction.
0: And I think at some
2: level we need those tools. If we're going to reach the people that God has entrusted to our care, particularly the people that we actually just live with in the sense of work and school and clubs and soccer and all those sorts of things.
1: That's really good. I, my wife and I just moved to Texas. We lived in Arizona for about four and a half years and before that we lived in southern Oklahoma but I I've, I've felt this move it's been the most tempting to just say like hey we already have friends like hey, you know we've been doing this virtual thing for a while now anyway like it, it's been easier to just kind of set on our heels even though we know we need community we mm. know we need deep friendship it's been easier to uh, not press into that and not make ourselves go out of our comfort zone because we know we have people that we can retreat to. But we've also been through this enough to know that if we don't do that, we're going to pay for it in the end when we actually do need someone who lives next door or do need someone who can drive, you know, within 15 minutes of us for help. And so um, it's, it's been – I don't want to say it's been difficult, but it's been something we've had to remind ourselves to press into – Go say hi to that neighbor. You know, go up to those people at at this church that we haven't met yet, and start to try to build relationships.
2: Yeah, and the first thing you do is this is my Twitter handle. What's your Twitter handle? And you can find a way to <laughs> connect that way as well. And sure. I, it, this is the thing: is this technology is still very new. It's not new, but it's still very new when you think about human history. But we work yeah. with this idea that it just it has always existed, and it just is what it is, and we got to deal with it. But we know this to be the case, like. For me, uh, I'm not extremely old, but I'm old enough to remember a time without the internet. And so when I graduated from high school, my friends disappeared. I was not in connection with any of them uh, because we didn't have Facebook pages and we didn't have Twitter and we didn't whatever the social media, we didn't have that. And now there's weaknesses to that. I'm not saying that's all good, but it forced me in the next season of my life to learn to find new friends. And those new friends expanded my worldview as well. And this is another thing that's happening because we can also just lock into certain people and stay with them, that we don't go through those healthy seasons of maturation where I can no longer connect with these people. So there's new people I have to connect to. And even regional, like if you want to understand the area you're living in, you know, Texas is different than Arizona, right? So if you want to even understand that area... Uh, If you, you you can either choose or not choose. That used to not be the case. You used to have to, unless you're just waiting for letters to be written to you every every few days. You know, you had to, so now the worldview, your ability to understand the people you're around, that's now a choice uh, versus you had to do it before. And I think that has some pretty powerful implications, particularly if we have a very narrow worldview or if we've had a very sheltered worldview where we're just with a certain group of people Um, we don't have to go beyond that group if we don't want to.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this kind of ties back into what I was saying earlier. There is this specific need for us as Christians to think about how we engage online and strive to be uh, more peaceful in the way that we do it. Because like you're saying before, there was a time where you just didn't, you had to deal with the people around you. Social media didn't exist. Now it does. So it feels like we have the option, but if you're a Christian and you have a Christian worldview you understand that the end of this whole big story is all tribes, all nations, Mm -hmm. all tongues worshiping God. And so at some point, you're going to have to get along with these
2: people. (laughs) Yeah, well, and... Here's the thing, like, there's some incredible strengths about the ability to segment with certain people through the internet. It has helped with, let's say, abuse, for instance. People who've experienced abuse can connect with other people who've experienced the same kind of abuse all over the world. That's amazing. So there's all kinds of strengths to being able to be with certain groups who have the same experiences or even the same ideologies. Like, I found other people who believe what I believe. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. You know, there's strengths to that. But what you find even in these groups, uh, like uh, the Me Too movement or the Church Two movement or ex-evangelical movement, is they will unite around an event. Like we all have a shared event or a shared belief. But guess what happens? Even in those groups, conflict happens. Yeah. But they don't know how to handle the conflict, and this happens whether it's conservative or progressive. They don't, they don't know how to walk through a conflict, and it's you've seen this in progressive groups and conservative groups where they, they were all together and were in this movement, and then they splintered and the splinter and splinter and moving in those directions. Uh, that's a part of this issue. I really wrote the book where if you're not a Christian, this still could help you in how you communicate, uh, particularly if you value, um, seeing a fuller representation of the world, you know, than just your little isolated worldview. But that's an important tool to learn how to go through conflict in marriage, right? You don't try to have the perfect marriage. You try to learn how to handle conflict. It's not you're going to go through that. This is what's happened. We have a lot of weak ties versus strong ties. Weak ties are people that you connect with just on a specific ideology, specific things you believe in. Strong ties are strong friendships, familial, marriage. It's more than just what we believe, like we're just connected. This is what's happening with the internet. We have more and more weak ties than ever before. Groups that we're a part of, because we agree on this and we agree on that, but we have less strong ties. And we're putting strains on those strong ties because we don't – a lot of people say this, even kids say this, where they have thousands of people that they follow and follow them, but they don't feel connected to anyone. And they feel like they're constantly having to maintain a presence in order to be you know, relevant, and they feel like if they stop posting, they might just disappear. That's not a strong tie relationship. But that's what happens, and so we're afraid. If I have a conflict, they're going to leave me. So that is also happened. People are suppressing their differences. They're suppressing because they're going to be let go of, and that's the only connection they have. And then on the flip side, then we come home to our spouse or our kids, and we expect so much from those strong tie relationships now because we're not getting it in the rest of culture. Mm. And so I think it puts strains on those as well where we want <laughs> – you know, the spouse will let us rant and rave and say it because they, we, everybody else leaves us. You know, everybody else unfriends <laughs> us or blocks us or, you know, trolls us. So we're seeing this, that the strong ties are becoming fewer and more more stressed, and the weak ties are becoming greater – but we don't know how to go through conflicts and turn those into stronger relationships than just the initial thing that we united on yeah. or agreed on. Man, my mind is
0: growing during this podcast by the second. Awesome. Good. <laughs> I haven't that's thought good. about a lot of these concepts. Like, this is really helpful to think through. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the goal of the book. By the way, the, the book, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Um, <laughs> hey, I, you know, you don't make any money off a book, so I got I to gotta have somebody <laughs> buy that book. But it has, at the end yeah, of each man. chapter, ways for you to process your social media at, experience. And for me, it might be different for all of us, but this is more how I process it. You know, it's not the definitive answer towards anything, but it gets you thinking about stuff. And I think that's yeah. what we just need to do these kind of discussions and from our own context and perspective. And I got one perspective, but others will have other perspectives, but we have to find a way to not just say, well, everybody's terrible. And that's just what the internet is. Like, no, right. we can't do that. We have to find a way to say, let's form <laughs> this technology in a direction that's more, you know, it's better for everyone.
1: All right, Doug, as we wrap up here, I have, uh, I, i literally wrote in my notes, like, this is just my selfish question for my own <laughs> curiosity. And if it's too, if it's too left field, we can edit it out altogether, but I'm really interested to hear your take on this. So you even touch on this a little bit in the book. You talk about your experience in public radio that you mentioned earlier, but it seems like, the systems are set up for us to fail, right? Like you talk about how social media shapes us often in negative ways. You know, there's always some mm-hmm. upsides where we wouldn't use it. But I also think about like media companies and how everything is so money driven and, you know, outrage sells and, you know, being a peacemaker, being a little more level headed, rational approach doesn't necessarily do as well uh, shockingly. And so I'm curious for you, what what's our hope in the climate that we're in and can it get any better <laughs> or do we just get better at engaging with it and dealing with it?
2: That's a terrible question. I don't know why you asked that. I don't, <laughs> no, it's, let me just say it's hopeless. Uh, we're doomed. We're never gonna make it. No, here, here's the thing. We have a gospel where we're told to carry our cross and uh, if that ain't a hint <laughs> for how it's gonna be, that it's not an easy thing. I mean, you don't you don't recruit people by, it's going to feel like a cross. Who's with me? Who wants to join yeah. us in this crusade, <laughs> right? So there is an aspect, you know, I've lamented this with technology. Um, one of the reasons I started doing radio and podcasts is I was watching Christian television, like, which I don't. I was just going up to those channels and I was just dismayed. I was like, this doesn't represent my life at all. How did it become this? Sorry if I'm offending people yeah. who love Christian television, but I'm just like, this doesn't <laughs> represent me at all. And 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 like, how did it become this? And by the way, it's the same within radio things. I'll say this on your show. Like, many most Christian radio stations are owned by this very large company that has conservative talk and Christian radio in every major market. And they're run by people who aren't Christians. They're they're just people who ultimately create Christian content in order to help their publicly traded stock increase. Now, I don't hmm. think that's a great way to advance the gospel. Do good things still go on the air? Sure. Are there sincere people? Yes, but that's a problem. So for me, this is what I had to decide. And uh, this is just what I believe in what I'm doing. I pastor a tiny church, which I would just call a normal sized church. There's, there's, you know, I don't know how many people are going to come back from COVID, but it's not a large church. <laughs> right. And um but I'm not going to move ahead based on some sort of power dynamic that only people with large churches and large expressions can change the world or only people with big money and big bucks. I'm just not going to bow down. I'm not going to yeah. bow down anymore. And I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego is like they, you know, they don't know the end of that story. But they're like, we're not going to bow down to your golden calf. They said our Lord will save us, but even if he doesn't. And that's the, the mentality I think you have to have. Yeah, you, you can lament like technology stuff is awful. And and what we see on TV and what whenever dollars get involved, it just seems to be corrupted. But regardless, uh, I'm going to contend for what God put on my heart. And I might succeed. But even if I don't, I'm not going to bow down because you want to stand before the Lord and say that like, you know. You know, with podcasting, there's times you put something out and you're like, I don't know who's listening to this. Was it worth the amount of effort and time? We we all deal with that. You know, we all struggle with that I, reality. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you guys are completely <laughs> confident. By the way, this will bring in my mom will listen to this podcast. So you'll get at least one more listener. But But the reality is like that idea of I don't want to spend my life cataloging the decline of society. I want to advance mm. a better purpose. So my heart is just to do what God has put on my heart as a pastor of this small church, a nobody, and not that I'm somebody because I wrote a book, but I just would encourage everyone to do that. Do what God has placed on your heart. If you think social media is toxic, then you're there to change it. And they might accept you. They might reject you. It might end with a cross. You know, we don't, we look at the end of the stories in the Bible and most of the people, it doesn't end well <laughs> for them, right? Yeah. But they grow in the character of Christ. And I used to say this to church planters, my denomination used to let me um, assess church planters. They don't anymore. I, I think I must not have done a good job, but <laughs> I would say to them, well, I don't know if your church is going to do well, but you'll grow in the character of Christ. And that's all that matters. And that's really got to be the outcome. The outcome is not whether people love us or hate us afterwards. Can I say with integrity that what I did was to serve God? The reason I communicated to this person was because I love God and I love them. Then the rest is outside our control. We we just can't assess it. We don't know. And then we need to encourage one another, like in formats like this. That is, we're each trying to do that. If more of us do this collectively and gather together and maybe segment ourselves into these groups of, all right, everybody encourage each other. Now let's go back into the world that we have a better chance of changing the dialogues, changing the formats, even changing these old mediums like, you know, television and such that we can make a difference if we don't live fatalistic lives, but spirit led lives.
1: That's great, man. I, uh, I really hope you're going to pass the offering on. plate now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you don't know, Doug wrote a book <laughs> it's called Posting Peace. Uh, yeah. What's the name but, of the book? Uh, <laughs> Well, let me make sure I get the subtitle right. Why? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Doug. It's called Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Don't you love those but, long uh,
2: secondary titles too? It's like what's yeah. it? Posting Peace. Why social media divides us? What we can do about it in the age that we live. You know, it's just these long. It's very clear on the purpose of the book.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I, I had hoped you were gonna come on and give me a lot easier advice. Uh, but, and I'm not that old, but I think I'm old enough to know that usually the hard – Hard word is probably the one that's actually the most helpful. Uh, usually the thing you need to do is the thing you already knew you need to do. You just don't want to do it. Yeah. And so I think this has been super helpful, not only just for me and Glenn. I mean, half the reason we do this is just for our own sake. But uh, I think anybody that listens to this is going to get something out of it and hopefully at least think deeper about how they carry themselves on social media and how they interact with others on social media and Beyond, obviously, because we've talked about how much uh, that affects our whole lives. So as we said, Doug wrote a book. It's really good. I've read it. You've gotten a taste of it (laughs) here. We're gonna have a link in the description. Make sure to check it out. When's it come out, Doug? It's pre order right now.
2: It comes out April twentieth, but it's more anointed if you pre order it. Like I don't know when you're gonna air this, but yeah. And (laughs) honestly, what you guys do, I want you to know this. It matters. Like ultimately we just have to be obedient before the Lord. And and you're also doing this for other people who come along. You can sit around and talk about what's wrong with the world and complain, or you can do something about it. And I, I think that's your goal ultimately. And uh, I don't think we should discount it. That's the strength of the internet. You can start a podcast. You can do a blog. You can do, We can do, find ways to get around the gatekeepers and the people in positions of power and communicate something. Whether that many people listen, we don't know. But we can stand before the Lord and say, hey, what you gave me, I invested in your kingdom. And so that's mm, the best yeah. We appreciate that,
0: and thank you for coming on the show. We, I, I mean, I can't speak for Tanner, but I'm going to. We've had a blast talking <laughs> to you, and like just really digging into this concept. Um, I have a lot that I'm I'm walking away with, uh, and I'm excited to go on social media and just encourage people and. <laughs> <laughs> and really rethink how I'm how I'm using it day to day.
2: Well, I appreciate being on, and I have a list of all the things you guys did wrong, and I'll be tweeting that out <laughs> after yeah, the show. Yeah, my so email.
1: You, oh, no, tweet. tweet I'll just talks. tag
2: you. I'll just, yeah. don't worry. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, Doug. Well, they can find you on Twitter, at Fairly Spiritual.
2: Yes, yeah. And that's you can go it. to fairlyspiritual.org is the website, and just search Doug Bursch, and you'll find me.
1: Awesome well make sure you check that out guys as always you can follow us on social media as well on Facebook Twitter and Instagram we're going to try to put into practice some of the (laughs) stuff Doug has been schooling (laughs) us on and email us directly also if you would like hello at bibleandstuff.com to let us know what you thought of this episode let us know what you would like us to talk about next and maybe who you would like us to talk to about it man that's a lot of words
0: (laughs) but uh, I think that's it Glenn we good? I think we're good Guys until next time Peace
1: The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff We do more than just podcasts So if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show Just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand And our theme music is by The Sing Team Thanks for listening We'll see you next time